It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I can feel the change in the wind right now Nothing's in my way Gonna
Hello everyone, my name is Simon Carver and welcome to Dagnall Street Baptist Church's podcast service for Sunday the 27th of March. Our on-site service today is our monthly all-age messy church for Mothering Sunday and we'll also be celebrating Gemma and Tom bringing their son Edward to offer their thanksgiving to God. We pick up this theme of thanksgiving in our podcast reading today, which is the story of the one healed leper who returned to Jesus to say thank you. Jesus told the man that he was healed through faith, and faith is the theme of our music today. And we've just heard Russell Watson sing, Faith of the Heart. A few notices. Our Lent groups continue this week with both sessions on Tuesday at 2pm on site and at 7.30pm on Zoom. You can find further details in today's email or if you're receiving a CD on the flyer that you received a few weeks ago. Details are also on the church website. The funeral service for our sister Vera Mills takes place in the church next Thursday at 12pm. The Church Magazine for April is now available. You can find hard copies in the foyer or in the cafe, and it can also be viewed or downloaded from the Church website. And now our call to worship. Some verses from Psalm 111. Praise the Lord. I will thank the Lord with all my heart as I meet with his godly people. How amazing are the deeds of the Lord. All who delight in him should ponder them, Everything he does reveals his glory and majesty. His righteousness never fails. He causes us to remember his wonderful works. How gracious and merciful is our Lord. He gives food to those who fear him. He always remembers his covenant. He has shown his great power to his people by giving them the lands of other nations. All he does is just and good, and all his commandments are trustworthy. They are forever true to be obeyed faithfully and with integrity. He has paid a full ransom for his people. He has guaranteed his covenant with them forever. What a holy, awe-inspiring name he has. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. Promise 
Father and Mother, we quieten ourselves to be present to ourselves, to you and to each other. We come as we are, sometimes lost, because we choose our way and not yours. 
because we make an outward show of your way, but without love, and that is not your way. Thank you for your outrageous love, always and forever welcoming us home. On this Mothering Sunday, we open our hearts before you, faithful God, bringing those we love and those we struggle to love, those we have lost and those we are afraid of losing. We bring our tears and our joy, our disappointments and our hopes. We bring all that we carry and all that we long to lay down. Living God, you do not save us from our mistakes, but you do release us to learn from them. Thank you for being there to welcome us back when we have lost our way, to challenge our resentment when we have lost our grace, to embrace our need when we have exhausted our self-sufficiently. We are so grateful and offer you our thanks. In Jesus' name, Amen. A reading from the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 17, beginning at verse 11. As Jesus continued on toward Jerusalem, he reached the border between Galilee and Samaria. As he entered a village there, ten men with leprosy stood at a distance, crying out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. He looked at them and said, Go, show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed of their leprosy. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back to Jesus, shouting, Praise God! He fell to the ground at Jesus' feet, thanking him for what he had done. This man was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Didn't I heal ten men? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And Jesus said to the man, Stand up and go. Your faith has healed you. Today is Mothering Sunday and an occasion to give thanks. A number of the Old Testament psalms were read at Jewish harvest festivals long before the time of Jesus, and giving thanks for God's providence was very much part of the life of people in Israel. As we might expect, offering thanks, being grateful, is an important idea in all parts of the Bible. In the stories of Jesus, the word thanks occurs 20 times. We might therefore think it strange that only three people, apart from Jesus, are said to have given thanks. One was Anna, the elderly woman who served in the temple, and was grateful that she had lived long enough to have seen God's Messiah, the child Jesus, brought to the temple by his parents. Another was the man in the story that Jesus told, who thanked God that he wasn't a bad man like the tax collector praying next to him. We read about the third person to say thank you in our story today. Leprosy was an awful disease that not only was the sufferer afflicted by an incurable, debilitating condition, but he would also be forced to live as an outsider and have no part in family life. He would be excluded from worshipping at the temple or in the synagogue, and his only friends would be other sufferers. Jesus had history when it came to coming in contact with people suffering from leprosy, and he was consistent in his response. On other occasions, the Bible tells us that Jesus touched the person with the disease before telling them to go to the priest to have them declared healthy. 
In this story, Jesus doesn't even bother to touch them or say anything to them about being cleaned. All he does is tell them to go to see the priest. Let's think about this story. It was on the way to the priest that they found out that they'd been healed. One came back before or instead of going to the priest to thank Jesus and to praise God. The others, we must presume, continued on their way to be signed off by the priest. The ten men all obeyed the instructions given. Then, somewhere down the road that led to the priest, they found that they were wearing new skin. The men hightailed it off to the priest, no doubt excited at the new skin that had come where the itchy, disfiguring and alienating scales had been. Understandably, they wanted to have the final confirmation of their cure. But one of them drops back, stops and turns around. Something else comes into his mind. Something has happened that has made him new, and it's not just that, like a snake, he's shed one skin for another. He is a new man, and he wants to celebrate. He runs back, hollering songs of praise to God, and when he reaches Jesus, he falls at his feet, pouring out his thanks. It's only now that the Bible gets to its punchline, that the man who came back was a Samaritan. Weren't there ten? asked Jesus. I wonder how this question was expressed. Jesus knew fine well that there were ten, and he knew where the others were. They'd gone to see the priest, just like he'd told them to. I suspect that Jesus wasn't angry or even disappointed that the others had not come back, once they'd noticed that they were healed. After all, they'd only done what he'd told them to do. We're told that the one who returned saw what had happened. Yet it isn't as if the other nine had missed this miraculous healing. Now I'm speculating here, and perhaps unfairly, but they just wanted to get their certificate of cleansing from the priest and get back into society once more. When Jesus taught about religious practice, he spoke about those who prayed and fasted in a way that was visible to other people. The implication of their actions, said Jesus, was that they were more interested in being seen by their friends and neighbours than they were in being heard by God. Jesus' comment then was that they'd already received their reward. They'd got what they wanted, if they were only interested in humans looking up to them. But what of their relationship with God? It would be rather harsh to tar these nine healed lepers with that same brush that Jesus used on the hypocrites who prayed and fasted in order to be seen. However, I think it would be true to say that there is a connection between the self-publicising religious people and these nine lepers, in that they had all missed out on the full depth of what God can offer. The nine lepers were certainly healed, but they'd missed the full depth of salvation that Jesus offered. This is a story that tells us something about the relationship between salvation and healing, and also about the place of the foreigner in God's salvation. This is not the first time that a Samaritan is part of the punchline in a Bible story. There's a story that Jesus told about a man who'd been set upon by robbers. They took his clothes, beat him up, and went off leaving him half dead. You know the story. 
Luckily, a priest was on his way down the same road, but when he saw him, he crossed the road to avoid him. Then a Levite, another religious man, showed up, and he also avoided the injured man. A Samaritan travelling down the road came on him, and when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. He gave him first aid, disinfecting and bandaging his wounds, then lifting him onto his donkey, led him to an inn, made him comfortable. The next morning he said to the innkeeper, Take good care of him. If it costs any more, put it on my bill. I'll pay you on my way back. Now this story has something of the Englishman, the Irishman and the Scotsman about it. And it's been suggested that there was a tradition for storytellers to introduce stories in which a priest and a Levite would be cast in a poor light and then followed by someone else who would be the hero. It's said that the hero would sometimes be a Jewish layperson so that after hearing about the poor mugging victim having been let down by two different types of clergy, the crowd listening to Jesus might have thought that they knew what was coming. While the clergy wouldn't get their hands dirty, the layperson, well, he'd clean up the man and send him on his way. But the story didn't end like that. The man wasn't a Jewish layperson, but a foreigner and a Samaritan at that. He might have been expected to have taken advantage of the man's vulnerability and to have finished off the job the muggers started, but no, the Samaritan did more than even a Jewish layperson might have been expected to have done. In our story of the ten lepers, Jesus describes the one who came back as an outsider, one having been born into a different clan, not part of Israel. This makes it all the more remarkable that not only is this man healed, Jesus tells him that it is his faith that has cured him. The fact that this man was an outsider was neither here nor there. It is by faith, rather than by racial purity or parentage, that the Samaritan has been saved. He may have been a member of a different clan by birth, but his faith has brought him into the family of God. This expression, your faith has saved you, is one that Jesus used on several occasions, although not on every occasion that he healed someone. I wonder what it means here with regard to this man and the other nine who didn't come back. We have no reason to believe that the other nine lepers were not healed, or that they didn't get a clean bill of health when they went to see the priest. No, these ten men were all healed. But is it likely that the ten were not all healed in the same way? Would one have been healed by faith, and the others healed by some other means? This hardly seems likely. We must therefore draw the conclusion that when Jesus said to the man, Your faith has healed you, he was not referring to his having been cleansed from his leprosy. In the language in which this Bible story was first written, there was one word that we translate as either healed or saved. The Samaritan man had been healed, like all the others, but he had also now been saved. In the sense that they were healed, they too were saved by faith. They trusted Jesus to heal them, and he didn't let them down. But they were not saved by faith in the way that this man was. While they were healed, through faith, the man who came back gained something else. The Samaritan man gained an insight into the role of Jesus in the coming of God's kingdom. The Samaritan man saw beyond the healing. He saw the giver in the gift. The Samaritan man came back to Jesus. He fell at Jesus' feet, an act of worship. 
whereas the others were on their way to make an act of worship at the temple. The Samaritan man had come to Jesus to worship him. And in this one act, we see how Jesus had changed the world. Jesus was accused of making threats against the temple. And while this was probably unfounded, he certainly made no attempt to hide his belief that the temple's days as the focal point for worshipping his father were numbered. In returning to give thanks at the feet of Jesus, this man acknowledged that it was here that God should be worshipped, here in the person of Jesus. This was God's new temple. And in acknowledging his own faith in Jesus, this man was saved. He had been healed of his disease, but now he was saved in that he had been reconciled to God, a symbol of the new work of Jesus, through whom all can know God's salvation. The outsider was also part of God's family, just as Jesus had reached out to those who were excluded because of a dreaded skin disease, so he had reached out to those who were marginalised for other reasons. All those to whom Jesus said, your faith has saved you, were those who'd been excluded. Diseased people. Men and women whose bodies were broken. People whose lives were broken through the choices that had taken them into an immoral life. Those who were in receipt of God's grace were by and large grateful. But God's grace is not restricted to the grateful. There's a verse in the Bible that reads, The sun shines on the righteous. It's often quoted in jest by people when a church fate enjoys good weather. I know it's meant in fun, but to quote these words in isolation changes the meaning of the verse because the full verse is, the sun shines on the righteous and the unrighteous alike. God's grace is not reserved for the grateful, but this man experienced something new because he saw what God had done for him. Why is it, someone has asked, that so often the marginalised live closer to the freedom of praise than those whose membership of the elite is unquestioned? The Samaritan was very much an outsider, and so maybe that's why he, of all the ten lepers, could see the value of the wholeness that was now his. Perhaps there's a lesson there for us. Perhaps it's only in letting go of all that we believe that we have by right that we can truly see what we have been given. I chose this story for two reasons. I started by suggesting that it's one of the occasions when the Bible tells us that someone has given thanks to God. So on Mothering Sunday, it's appropriate to hear a story of thanksgiving. But this is also a story about inclusion. It's a story in which an outsider is brought in and included as part of a family. God's family. Over its history, the church has not had a very good track record of welcoming the outsider. Unfortunately, there's sometimes been a perception that a person has to be good before they can come into church. However, this thought runs in direct opposition to how Jesus lived his life. At a time when a person's reputation, their honour, was of great importance, Jesus seemed to go out of his way to upset people whose company would enhance his reputation. Not only that, but he seemed to actually enjoy being with people whom the rest of polite society shunned. 
so his favoured dinner companions were not the community and religious leaders, but the men who extorted taxes from fishermen, women with loose morals, and people with infectious skin diseases. We are all in some way outsiders. None of us is perfect. None of us has any right to be considered an acceptable person to come before God. But God says to all of us, Come as you are. I remember talking to the new owner of the Christian bookshop on Hollywell Hill. Sadly, the bookshop's long gone, but one of the things he told me was that while it might look different on the outside, new logos and signs, etc., on the inside it would be just the same. We joked that this was the opposite of the sort of change that Jesus brings. The people who came to Jesus did change on the inside, but on the outside I guess that they probably look pretty much the same. I believe that God wants us to be a rainbow mix of colours, a family mix of ages and an exotic mixture of lifestyles. This invitation shouldn't have any strings attached. This is not come as you are, but stay for any length of time and you'll end up looking just like us. This is not a Stepford Wives sort of church. This is a come-as-you-are church, and bring the person you are, the person whom God has made, to help create the wonderful kaleidoscope that is a vibrant community of people who want to live life as Jesus lived life. Whether you feel like an insider, and we shouldn't forget that Jesus welcomes some of those too, or an outsider, God wants you to come to him and live your life with him. Let us pray. Our God, we thank you that we can come to you just as we are. You require nothing of us except that we recognise that without you there is something lacking in our lives. And so we come just as we are, with our fears, our guilt for things said and done or not said and done our sense of regrets for past failures and missed opportunities. We come with the talents and skills that you've given us, our material wealth, our joys and our successes. We come as the people you have made us and as the people we are through our choices. We thank you that you welcome us. Take away our hurts and our pain and heal us and save us. And may we sing and dance with joy. In your presence. Amen.
Let us pray. Motherly God, thanks to you for life and living, even when we are weary and worn out. Thanks to you for challenge and change, even when we seek safety and security. Thanks to you for playfulness and pain, even when we seek moderation and mild living. Thanks to you for companionship when we are lonely. Thanks to you for calling when we are settled. Thanks to you for creativity when we are uninspired. Bring us to newness of life as your people. Bring us to wholeness of life from out of its fragments. Bring us to fullness of life from your communion in and with us. Motherly God, to you we pray. And in the shadow of your wings we sing for joy. O Lord, restore us and make us new. God of love, for the softening of our hearts and the opening of our arms, for generosity that welcomes the lost, for our need of your tenderness to restore our failures, for our churches to be renewed in loving and giving, for the courage to lay down our lives for one another, for the strength to answer your call to serve others, for a new start. We cry to you, bring healing and hope. God of love for all who carry the scars of conflict, the external and internal signs of pain endured, for the lost and lonely, the displaced and the dispossessed, for all whose lives have been broken, for those in our own community who are suffering, for all who wait powerless at the bedside of those who are sick and dying, we cry to you, bring healing and hope. God of love for the needs in our own communities, for families under pressure, for people struggling with rising bills, for people in debt and distress who have nowhere to turn, for all who need to know today that they are loved, for all who are bringing up children amid the pressures of today's world, for the sacrifices that form the fabric of parenthood, and for children and young people facing a future full of challenges, we cry to you, bring healing and hope. God of love, for mothers who are apart from their children, for all motherless and lost children, for all of us whose mothers have died, for a parent or parents of a child who has died and for children without parents, for all who long for children but are unable to have them, for all the struggles of family life, for children far away from home, for unaccompanied children fleeing, fighting, and for children whose homes are not places of safety and kindness, we cry to you, bring healing and hope. God of love for the places in Ukraine that are now our litany of despair, for Mariupol reduced to the ashes of a dead land, for Kerniv, Kharkiv, Kherson, for Odessa, Melitopol and Kviv, for towns razed to the ground, for communities wiped entirely from the map, for the besieged, the abducted and the starving, for motherless children in a war zone, for the injured and the dying, and for those who weep by their side. We cry to you, bring healing and hope. 
And God of love, we pray for the places in the world that are torn apart by ongoing, long-standing conflict. For Burma, Iraq, Syria, Afghanistan and Yemen. For the hungry and the homeless, for the persecuted and the oppressed, for all who need safety and shelter, for those whose rights are denied, for the places where truth cannot be spoken and where dissenting voices are silenced, we cry to you, bring healing and hope. God of love, for simple pleasures in the midst of challenge and hardship, for lengthening hours of daylight, for people who lift our burdens, wipe away our tears, share our lives and our dreams, and call out our best selves, for your faithful presence with us through darkness and light, and for a deeper experience of your love, which shapes us, calls us, rescues us, and will bring us home. We cry to you, bring healing and hope. In the shadow of your wings, we sing for joy. O Lord, restore us and make us new. Amen. Of the great and glorious King You are strong when you feel weak In your brokenness complete The women of the truth Stand and sing to broken hearts Who can know the healing power Of our awesome King of love Again, of our God who reigns on high, 
by his grace again will fly. Our last song is a version of the old hymn, Blessed Assurance, and it's sung by Alan Jackson. But first, a final prayer. God of outrageous love, thank you that we cannot fall out of your love, no matter what our mistakes, no matter how mean and grudging our love is. As you welcome us with ever-open arms, enlarge our hearts and our minds to serve faithfully and to love outrageously. Amen. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God, born of his spirit. Washed in his blood This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long Perfect submission Perfect delight Visions of rapture Now burst on my side Angels descending Bring from above Echoes of mercy Whispers of love This is my story This is my song Praising my Savior All the day long this is my story, this is my song Praising my Savior all the day long Praising my Savior all the day long